We live in a, a time of scarcity, or so the experts say. You only have so much time. And because you have so much time, you have to be judicious in how you live and use your time. You can't waste time. You can't let other people waste your time. There's only so much of it. There's only so many, uh, so much resource. Uh, you only have so much money, so much talent, so much ability. So you have to be very, very careful in how you use your money and how you spend your money. Because once you spend it, you can't spend a dollar twice. It's gone. It's that way just about in every area of our lives now as we recover from the pandemic. Uh, the car dealerships are having a hard time keeping new cars on the lot because we are missing the chip, the little computer chip that tells the car where to run and how to turn on and all of that because that's backed up in a port in China because the pandemic is still raging in China and they have to keep closing the ports. They can't unload any, any uh, ships. We can't reload the ships to get the parts here. Logistics, supply chain, all of that is messing up. It's not unusual now to go into a grocery store and you cannot find your favorite product. And you know, and when that happens, we get a little crazy. Uh, we start thinking that a short-term um, uh, slack is a forever moment. And you'll end up doing stupid things like fighting for toilet paper in the aisle of Walmart, thinking that that is the last roll of toilet paper that will ever make it to Middle Tennessee. We become very greedy when we think there's not enough, that we have to get ours and hold on to ours. And I'm sorry if you don't have yours, but I've got to get mine. And if you're not careful, that will end up affecting how you talk to God. I'm okay if you bless him, I'm okay if you bless him, but I need mine. I need what is coming to me. And you end up being very greedy and you talk about scarcity with God. There's only so many, as if God is gonna run out of blessing. As if he's gonna say to you one day when you come to pray, I wish you'd gotten here earlier, but I'm all out. You're not laughing at the absurdity of that statement. And the sad reason is a lot of you actually think that way. There's only so many pieces of the pie, Mike. Well, I'm here to tell you, God has a lot more pies. Matthew chapter 20, stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this story together. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard and after agreeing with the workers for one Daenerys, he sent them into his vineyard for the day. When he went out about nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also may go into my vineyard and I'll give you whatever is right. 
So off they went. And about noon and about three, he went out again and did the same thing. Then about five, he went out and found others standing around and said to them, why have you been standing around here all day? Because no one has hired us, they said to him. Well, you also go to my vineyard, he told them. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his foreman, call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. When those who were hired about five came, they received one denarius. When the first ones came, they assumed that they would get more. But they also received a denarius each. When they received it, they began to complain to the landowner. The last man put in one hour. You made them equal to us who bore the burden of the day's work in the burning heat. He replied to one of them, friend, I've done you no wrong. Didn't we agree that on one denarius? Well, take what is yours and go. I will give the last man the same as I gave you. If I want to do that, do not, not have the right to do what I want with what is mine. Are you jealous because I am generous? Therefore, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Are you jealous because I am generous? This is God's word for God's people. Hear, believe it and live. Let's pray together. We live with a small view of you, and it gives us a small view of our world. It gives us a small view of what you're capable of. So we pray as much as we can. Help us understand your vastness, your generosity, that we may leave here the generous children of a generous God. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Every now and then, Jesus will tell a story, and you will read it, and you say, huh, that's not right. That's not fair. This is a story about a landowner who hired some men in the morning. I, I don't know about you, but in Huntsville, there was a particular place where if you were a day laborer, if you were available for hire, you would go there, and you would wait early in the morning, six, seven in the morning. And people who had day jobs, whether it was cleaning up a yard or helping move something in the house or, or moving junk out of an old building or something, they would hire you for the day and you'd negotiate a price and they would pick you up and they would take you to the work site and they would bring you back. And that happened all the time. This is what this vineyard owner has done. He's gone to the place where all of the day laborers are hanging out. He agrees to hire a crew and he agrees for one denarius. One denarius is the, is the payment for a day's work. It was kind of the minimum wage standard. If you work for a day, you get at least one denarii. So the guys show up, they go to work, everybody's happy. Well, about nine, for some reason, the landowner decides I need more workers and he goes back to the same place and he hires another group. He does this at noon and he does this all throughout the day, even up to five o'clock so that the last people who were hired to work only worked about an hour or so. Now, when you read this story, you think all of this hatefulness and all of this confusion could have been avoided if the landowner had paid the people who were hired first, if he had paid them first. 
If the guys who had been hired first had got to the front of the line, he'd given them the denarii, they would have gone on. You agreed to work for a denarii, I gave you a denarii, we're good, we're square, happy, everybody's happy. But he doesn't, he reverses the order. The people who had worked the least amount of time got paid first. And what do they get paid? They get paid the denarii. They step up, the master goes, here, here's a denarii for you. And they're delighted. They got a day's pay for a couple hours work. They couldn't be happier. Now, the guys who had worked all day long, they're hot, they're dirty, they're tired. They assume, did you see that? They assume that they're going to get paid more. If he paid the guys who worked for an hour in there, we're going to make bank. They step up. They're given a denarii. Wait, wait a minute. You paid the people who worked an hour a denarii. And the landowner goes, so? So? What did we agree on? Well, we agreed on a denarii. Well, did I pay you a denarii? Yes. So you worked, I paid you what we agreed on. What's the problem? It's not fair, but it's what we agreed on. But it's not fair. You paid them the same amount. Yes, I did. Why? Why did you do that? It's my money. I can do whatever I want to with my money. Are you jealous? Because I'm generous. What does me giving him a denaro have to do with what I owe you? Are you jealous? Yes. Yes, we are. It's not fair. If you work for an hour and you get a certain pay, and if you work all day, you should get more. That's fair. That's right. Do we really want Jesus to be fair? Can we just stop right now and praise God that nobody gets what they deserve? Amen. Can, you just, can you just relax and say, he didn't get what he deserved, and neither did I, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Nobody gets what they deserve. Jesus isn't fair, and aren't we glad Jesus is generous. You know, you know the story reminded me of, you remember the story of Jonah? Okay, Jonah's a prophet. He's told by God to go preach to Nineveh. Nineveh is a wicked city. God says, Jonah, go preach to this city. They'll repent and I can save them. Jonah says, no. Why? Because I know if I preach, they'll repent and you'll forgive them and I want you. Well, you know, you know there are some people that need to burn in hell. And Nineveh's one of them. And if I don't preach there, they won't repent and you're going to destroy them. Well, you know what happened to Jonah? And Jonah finally ends up going to Nineveh. He preaches... The town repents, God saves them. Jonah has one of the greatest revivals ever, 
and he's mad. He's out under a bush. The bush dies. Jonah's even madder. Now he's mad and hot. Are you angry? The bush died, God said. And Jonah says, yes, I am. You didn't plant the bush. No. You didn't tend the bush. No. But you're mad it died. Yes. Because now I'm hot. And God says, you care more about that bush than you do all the thousands of people who are in Nineveh. Yes. Because I know the kind of God you are. I know the kind of God you are. Generous. Abounding. Oh, this, this happens all the time. This promise is given to us. And now to the one who is able to do immeasurably more. Malachi says, bring the tithe and offering into the storehouse. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you literally will not be able to carry. Press down, flowing over. Now get the picture. The reason when you're filling up a grain sack, which is the image, the reason you press it down is so it doesn't overflow. The reason you press it down is to get all the air out of it so you can make the sack as full as you can. Now get it, this, this grain is being poured into the sack. These workers are trying to pack it down so they can close. They can't close the sack because the blexing is coming too fast. That's the picture, that's the image. I will give you a blessing that you literally will not be able to carry. Now, a lot of us, when we read this passage, start thinking about a new car. Right, boy, if, the, if, if I give a little bit, the Lord's gonna bless me and I'm gonna have a new car. Notice the first sentence of the story. First sentence. The kingdom of God is like. This is not quid pro quo. This is not I'm going to do something so God owes me and pays me back. Uh-uh. This is the kingdom of God. The gifts of the Spirit are... <clears throat> I thought you guys would know something. I've got to go all the way back, <laughs> teach you everything. Love, peace, joy. Remember, remember that verse? Come to you. That's the currency of heaven. The generosity of, of God will always be appropriate to you. It'll always be tailor-made for you. God will not give you a blessing that is meant for someone else or that fits someone else. You have no idea what's going on in that other person's life or why God would respond to that person with this or that. At the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus gives Peter his future. Peter sees John, the apostle, and points to John and says, what about him? And Jesus answers back, what's that to you? How the father deals with another child is frankly none of our business. 
Can you say that with me? None of our business. I didn't think you could. (laughs) None of our business. If my friend is blessed, that's between him and the Lord. I celebrate that appropriate blessing for my brother, for my sister. Because honestly, some of the things Jesus gives you, I don't want. Some of the things he gives me, you don't want. So, several years ago, some friends come to me and say, hey, you're a pretty good speaker. Well, thank you. You could make a lot of money on the speaking tour. Oh, really? Yeah. Here's what you have to do. You have to do this, 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 this. Then you have to get on a plane. What's that about the plane? Oh, yeah, you'll be on a plane every week. You'll fly out Thursday. We'll arrange it where you can preach Thursday and Friday and Saturday. You can come back Sunday to be ready. But you'll be gone just about every weekend. Why would I do that? Because you can make a lot of money. I don't want to get on an airplane every week. I know some of you do. God bless you. But this Alabama boy wants to go home. Five o'clock, 530. I'm headed to the barn. Now, I know friends who do that. God bless them. And I'll pick up a brochure. Hey, go to this conference and I'll see the same guy speaking. And I know they had to go through traffic, get on an airplane, go there just to unpack. They'll be up in the morning, early in the morning, flying back home. No, thank you. I don't want that blessing. Some of us are old enough. to celebrate the words of the great theologian who sings, thank God for unanswered prayers. I prayed that, thank you for ignoring me, Jesus. Everything is appropriate for you. Everything is for your capacity. You have all of Jesus that you can handle. Some of us are holding on to other things, other grudges, other idols, other things that we think give our life meaning and purpose. And that stuff takes up space where Jesus needs to be. You can hold that or you can hold Jesus, but you can't hold both. As Christ fills your life, all of that other junk gets washed out so that your capacity for Jesus and the presence of his spirit grows. But it's always limited by our capacity to handle what the Spirit wants to give us. The writer of Hebrews, I had hoped that I'd be able to discuss the meatier things of Scripture with you, but you're still immature, so I'm going to have to stay with milk. I want to do more. I want to give you more, but you can only handle what I give you. You can only handle And sometimes because we think our blessing is, quote, limited, we blame God. 
We, we tell God, I want this, I need this, help me with this. And God says, I'd love to give it to you, but you can't handle anymore. And then we get our thinking messed up. We start thinking because God won't give it to us, then God doesn't have it. And so we get mad at each other. Why don't we do that? Because I'm thinking that the reason I don't have what I want is you've already got it. So that means you got there and, uh, you know, God had the blessing pie out and he cut you a slice. Well, that means I got one less slice and you get another slice. That means I'm two out. And finally, I'm angry at God because you have given everybody everything. And now all of that pie is gone. You do know that Jesus has a lot more pies. You're not going to walk up to him and him say, I wish you'd been here earlier. Now, I realize this concept of a generous God and being a generous child of a generous God is new to some of you. And you're going to get all fired up about generosity and you're going to run out and you're going to pull a muscle and hurt yourself. <laughs> so I want you to step into this slowly. I want you to learn how to be generous. Here, here's what I want you to do. Some of the people who have been hurt worse by the pandemic are those who work in restaurants. Your servers been hurt worse. Now, do you know what shift restaurant workers hate working? Sunday lunch. This is not funny. You ask anybody who's worked in a restaurant and they'll tell you in a heartbeat, they don't want to work Sunday lunch when the Christians come from church. They're hateful, they're demanding, and they don't tip. We want to change that. So here's what I want you to do in the name of Jesus. I want you to go out to eat. <laughs> and when your server brings your bill, tip extravagantly. Three, four, ten, fifty, hundred times more than you would usually tip. Then I want you to tell me about it. Why don't you tell me what happened? I want you to text tip six two three six two three and tell me what happened. I want the word to go out among the restaurants in this area. That church on Concord Road lost their mind. <laughs> I know. There's a lot more generosity ahead, but, but if I tell you all about that, you'll hurt yourself, okay? Do this one thing. I want you to go out to eat in the name of Jesus. And I want you to tip extravagantly.
Learn how to be a generous child of a generous God. Let's pray together. I know you've already got a long list of why Jesus can't forgive you. Of all the things you've done wrong, of all the mistakes you've made, and you want to say, it would be great, but there's not enough mercy to cover all of this. There's not enough grace. I don't want to make light of your pain. But you're not close to exhausting the grace of our God. You're not close of using up all his mercy. Our counselors, our pastors are in the Welcome Center right now and they're waiting on you. They just go out to the building, turn left, you'll see it, big open space there. They wanna continue this conversation so you'll know of the extravagant generosity of our God's love. Don't leave here without knowing that for yourself. If you want to be part of Brentwood Baptist Church, they're waiting on you there. We'll get that process started. However the Lord has come to you, whatever he's now calling you to do, he's waiting for you where you are. As a church, we'll wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open, every heart. So we pray now the choices we make are exactly what you want.